So I'd like to start this evening <clears throat> with uh, this last year, one of my uh, favorite little stories. So there are three yogis, and they go up into the mountains, <clears throat> and there's a, a cabin up there, and they go up there to meditate. <clears throat> and um, so they're up there for a few days, and, and they decide to, uh, morning the sun kind of hits the other side of the uh, sort of pond lake. And uh, so they all go over there to, to sit. And uh, so um, as they're sitting, uh, one of them says, I forgot to hang up my, my shawl. It's still wet. So he immediately walks across the water, you know, and uh, hangs his shawl up, and then he walks back across the water, you know. And uh, so a little, a few minutes, Minutes later or so, the other one says, I forgot to hang my underwear up. So he also takes off and he walks across the water and um, hangs up his laundry and then he comes walking across the water back. And the third one at this point has, uh, he gets uh, kind of inflated and says, well, if you can do it, I can do it, you know. And uh, he says, I know uh, anything you can do, I can do. I know you're trying to, you know, uh, show me what I can and can't do. And so he kind of inflates. And he walks out and steps in the water and down he goes, you know. And at that, he, he kind of gets out all wet and again says, okay, here I go. And so he goes out and down he goes again. So the third time, uh, he again does the same thing. He steps out into the water and goes under. And uh, the second yogi turns to the first yogi and says, do you think we should tell him about the rocks? <laughs> you know. So uh, tonight, um, I hopefully this is about the rocks. You know. So in my fashion here, I seem to enjoy, uh, the way I kind of construct my mind is I write a poem to construct my talk around. And really what I want to talk about tonight is the, it is really, this is the direct path to realization. And uh, so I'd like to, just in, the, in our culture, and our lineage, uh, kind of a map, hopefully, uh, to what that is. So, clear path. Knowing this is a desperate journey, untangling our projections and stories, sitting on the edge of our history, knowing that refusing entry would only pull us farther and farther out to sea. Resolving not to leave this fire of another day, but to sit in the center, attending to breath after breath with this simple refrain, I am here, I am here. Aware, deep down, knowing Breath could be shallow or deep, something long or short, always attempting to catch it, releasing, softening, breathing, supported by this eternal presence, life, life breathing itself. How great to know it has worked for eons slowly dissolving the old darkness, tentacles from the past dissolving, the power of the breath releasing multiple contractions, giving way to the certainty, this breath, this breath, this breath is enough. Awakening Assured 
by our lineage. So clearly spelled out. It's always a thing of how to listen to a Dharma talk. And uh, in many ways, it's as simple uh, as uh, this is part of your practice. And my encouragement is, uh, it's not so much about the words or what's being said, but actually, uh, where are you? What's going on? How do you ground your attention? Is it just in the contact with your chair or your pillow or your bench? Are you staying here? Or are you wandering off? And the practice is very simple the way it was laid out. And as I say, this is, uh, it is a path of realization. Uh, it's not just, uh, you know, uh, something to make us feel better. Uh, this is actually that that, uh, in a sense, knowing it, knowing the map, releases us uh, from sometimes very contrived past that in some ways, I think, um, we believe so strongly. No. But in actuality... Uh, we don't actually see it clearly, nor do we remember it clearly, because it is so stained by our uh, emotions and our contractions. And so we come to this, and uh, the path is laid out. I know in my first years, and uh, I started sitting in 1966, and I sort of, uh, there wasn't a lot uh, given to us in those years. Uh, so I didn't really, and I was also, uh, uh, what, a dreamer, uh, seeker. Uh, 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 I was looking for magic, you know. And in some ways, this path was so simple, you know. But I sat, you know. And I sat and I realized, oh, I really, um, there was more to this, but I didn't know what it was, you know. And so I had to sort of take off from California and what was going on in the 60s uh, to India overland, you know. And I think when I got there, uh, I had an idea, but uh, the path uh, was not clear, you know. And then as time went on, and uh, probably in my first year, uh, I met uh, Manindraji and then later S.N. Goenka. And the main thing was I had faith that somehow I knew what Mary Grace was talking about less. I knew about the suffering. No, that I was convinced. But the path itself uh, was something that uh, at first I can simply say it was blind faith. And I think all of us come to this practice uh, with blind faith, you know. But the ideals here is that somehow we begin to get that this is actually, there is a verified truth here. You know. uh, in the teachings, and I can say, um, it took me a while to actually formulate, and it's much, in some ways, it's much clearer these days than uh, for me at that time, you know, maybe because I was my early 20s, you know. But the path at the same time, was there something that had been presented for centuries? And all I had to do at first was just trust my teachers, that somehow uh, there was something that they knew that I needed to find out.
there are two fundamental texts that um, I'd like to, well, I'm not going to describe the Anapanasati was just the, that's the sutta on uh, the mindfulness of breathing. And it's very uh, directed to our actual practice. But the map itself uh, is uh, known as the Satipatthana Sutta. And it is the foundational kind of um, explanation and uh, direction. Not so much about the practice, but the map itself, you know. And it's based, first of all, uh, on that uh, you go out and in the tradition uh, that you find a place uh, under a tree, uh, in a hut, somewhere uh, where there's enough quietude so that you can turn your attention away from the busyness of the world Sit upright and still, still the body. And I know in the first years, uh, all I understood about practice, which I was pretty good about, was uh, just sitting, shikantaza, just sitting. I actually didn't even know about the breath. But there was a sense of Oh, I was looking for quietude, some something that, um, even though I had a lot of imagination, that was actually direct and simple. And sitting up straight, uh, we actually uh, simply turn our attention to uh, that that is already living. You know, and the thing I liked about it uh, when I began to realize that I had belief systems and all sorts of stuff, and that this didn't have that in it. Uh, it actually was pointing at something that the Buddha pointed at that was not about something. It was something that was a universal truth. And the universal truth was, was life living itself out of uh, when you still yourself, you get really quiet. What is the largest movement? It's the breath breathing you. you know. And so the attention is, oh, can I go to what uh, life uh, is presenting me? And it's usually under the busyness of uh, all of our uh, beliefs and thoughts ideas and that, uh, that connects me to, uh, in a sense, the mind is uh, based in the now, in the here. And we begin to know that there are different breaths uh, there's a long, sometimes a deep breath, sometimes a shallow breath, sometimes a long breath, sometimes a short breath. And we really begin to recognize that uh, uh, none of it's the same. Never two breaths. You can never put the same mind in the same body, breathing. So it's simple. And it is actually pointing directly uh, at uh, the truth of what is, not of what we believe or what our histories or any of that. It's just what is. And really, when we start to explore with what is, uh, there are certain aspects that uh, we know in the Satipatthana. There are four fundamentals or for um, fundamentals in the mindfulness itself. 
And uh, the breath is the body. We know that. It's part of kaya, it's called. And there's four words of, of the four satipatthanas of kaya, which is body. And there's vedna, which is feeling. Uh, there is citta or sita, and uh, it is uh, mind. And then there is dhamma, the dharmas, that uh, are the processes, the universal processes that, uh, that being simple uh, illuminates and the Buddha emphasized. So, what we know in its simplest form of kaya is that they're traditionally uh, what we can look at and feel and know. Are, uh, and these are places that I find that uh, in the practice itself, it's where I lost my mindfulness. And it was known as the four postures. You know, and they are uh, identifications as things that uh, they're really transitions of uh, what you know as um, uh, I know I am walking I am aware of walking I'm aware of sitting I'm aware of standing I'm aware of lying down. Like the breath, it's a simple truth of these uh, positions of these postures. We also uh, recognize that uh, we have to have some uh, clear, kind of clear comprehension of what happens. And so, yes, we know the breathing. Yes, we know that we change these postures. We also know that uh, there can be clear comprehension. Uh, We do the walking practice, that there is the shifting, the lifting, the moving, the placing. Uh, there is uh, that of drinking, tasting, eating, our lives. And that this all can be, this is all part of the direct path to realization that we actually take and become our comprehensive and be with complete wakefulness from one thing to another. They're also in the text, they're more specifics that are quite uh, interesting. You know, uh, one of them uh, I like a lot, uh, which is just the four elements of earth, air, water, and fire. These are the fundamental elements of experience. You know, and we can know them uh, not so much uh, in some of the Burmese systems where they simply, you just name them when you notice, when you're mindful of uh, you're hot or you're cold. And you know that's the fire element. Or there's some kind of vibration or tingling in the body. And you know that's the air, ele- air element. You know? Or the sense of heaviness or lightness. Or you know that's the earth element. And you know when there's a sense of movement or fluidity, cohesion, that it's the water element. And so we know the qualities of this that we can actually stay with, you know, and it can be as simple as just knowing those qualities, you know, or being even simpler by just naming the element itself.
So the four elements. There's also a practice that, um, in my kind of monastic piece uh, with Tangpulusaida, he taught the 32 parts of the body. You know, and essentially you went through the list. You know, and um, it was simply naming. He, he explained it this way. He said, you have the truth of a car. And you call that a car. But actually, when you open the hood and you look, there are brakes, there's a clutch, or maybe or there's uh, uh, a steering wheel, uh, there's wheels, there's seats, uh, there's windows. So actually, there are all these parts. And the parts, are they the car? You know? And so it's a way of taking in that practice uh, just like breaking down uh, with the elements, uh, you break down uh, the specific of who I think I am. I'm John. I'm a great neurotic. I have all these, uh, you know, things about myself. But what am I in the simplest form? You know, I'm just elements in play. You know, and so the practice in this satipatthana, in this really the treatise on mindfulness, is that it's to break down, break down that identification. And that's why they say this is a direct path to realization. There's also a part of this, and, you know, I I was thinking, oh, when I was a kid, um, my grandparents had a funeral home. You know, as, as a little kid, uh, we used to, well, I, I think you can guess what we used to do, you know? But there was a whole piece, it was, it was kind of impersonal on some level, you know? But it's also the fact that somehow, um, you know, in, the, in, the, in Thailand particularly, if you're a, a young monk, you know, um, they ha- there's this thing called lust, I think you might have heard of it, you know, or know something about it. And uh, one of the means of working with it uh, were really these uh, nine uh, practices of, uh, you know, s- seeing a body of one day, of three days, of five days, of seven days, and uh, then the whole process of disintegration, you know. And so they would take young monks uh, actually to the morgue, you know, and where with the mindfulness identify, oh, when we're clear, there's no separateness. And because this idea of this path that breaks down the separateness itself, then between that person who's dead and myself, there is an awareness that is not separate. And therefore, in a sense, uh, we look at our desire. And it, in a sense, kind of, you could say, oh, it puts a damper on it, which is true. You know, Uh, unfortunately. uh, But again, it's about the truth. You know, that we're all here, you know, probably 50 years from now. Well, I don't know. But most of us will not be here. You know? So in doing that, you know, we get to understand the fundamentals here. Uh, First of all, uh, being, uh, and I see it as recipients of a body. And that having that, uh, then that can be used as a direct means of realization. And it's one of the, I think for me, it's been one of the fundamentals today, I think, of the thing, the gift I've gotten over all these years. And in my early years, I had some incredible experiences, but I was so separate from it, in a way. You know? And I think sometimes this is a whole path of awakening a realization, is we can have these experiences, but then we have to catch up to it. You know? And that catching up to it means there's actually a, a kind of a letting go or a purification process that we have to undergo. And sometimes it takes years. You know? 
and then it's not so separate. So that's kaya, or body. The second of these satipatthanas is called vedna. And it is, uh, as far as the map goes, it's simply noting that in our experience uh, there is pleasant, unpleasant, and non-pleasant, non-unpleasant. Those three flavors, you know. And they're simple and direct. And they are the, in a way, uh, they're really the source uh, of human experience. So our willingness to first recognize and see that sometimes uh, that pleasantness or unpleasantness, or sometimes you use the word neutral, but I like non-pleasantness, not unpleasant. No. That we can uh, identify. And so it is uh, really an incredible piece that uh, takes you all the way. Just like breathing can take you all the way to freedom. So can recognizing the subtleties. Because sometimes I think we use the word vipassana to see clearly or special seeing. But I actually like a translation of seeing into the subtle. You know, so we can begin to see, we're here seeing into the subtle. And I know that sometimes gross feelings and emotions and stories and the past and our wants come up. But it's the fact that we're looking. We're awake and aware. You know, and yes, sometimes it throws us off. But ultimately, to just come back to the breath and recognize, you know, some sense of leaning forward or moving away from something. And in recognizing it itself, uh, there is, uh, in essence, a calming truth. Uh, of looking at it. The third of the Satipatthanas is this uh, word citta or sita. And uh, it's translated as mind. Now, the translation of citta is actually, uh, I think, more helpful is mind-heart because it deals uh, with the fact that, oh, uh, lust arises, anger arises, fear arises, concentration arises, peacefulness. So there are the recognition of this mind-heart states uh, that come, and that we are attentive, attentive uh, to how they're moving us. You know, uh, and its power, uh, particularly of the emotions. You know. And again, the possibility is there is to recognize, to realize that when we know what is going on, we're not lost in it itself, but there is, in a sense, noting the difference between the process of it and the absorption by it. You know? So we're actually moving away from the objects of experience to actually seeing it as processes. You know? And in doing that, then uh, there is an incredible a sense of peace and calming and also letting go and releasing and purifying that happens just by knowing, by recognizing. This, uh, this is from the Venerable uh, Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu. 
Uh, this actually from his translation of uh, the Anapanasati, but a comment on it. We train our breathing. We can control our emotions. That is, we can cope with the happiness and pain in our lives. We should practice until we feel this. We should practice this until we feel this. Our practice is not complete until we can see this clearly. You know. It's so powerful, you know. Your stories, your history, your projections, you know, your fantasizing. But actually, to be able to note and see them uh, actually disempowers them. And in a way, sometimes it's as simple as the breathing will disempower it. Sometimes just the ability to note that uh, there is a, a, a clear awareness of what it is that's happening. And we're no longer pushed or pulled by it. Or in a sense, what happens here is that we you know, kind of jump on our bandwagon. And we take out the little can of fuel, you know, the little bit of gasoline. And we go, oh, I'll pour a little on it. And it blows up. I'm sure you don't do this. But, you know, it's true that we actually fuel things, you know. But if we can recognize, then we're actually taking the fuel away. That is the satipatthana. It's taking the fuel away. So as we actually work with this and start to see that this is a clear path, you know, and there are aspects to the path because it's really dealing with uh, our body and our senses and our mind and our emotions. That there can be a loosening. And that loosening, again, is knowing the difference between the process that's happening and the storyteller and the story. You know, we start seeing that there's some separateness there. And that separateness actually is a relief. And then the fourth of these, simply the word dhamma, dharma. And so it is, uh, in the tradition, there's two ways of looking at this because it's simply uh, looking at the patterns. You know? And the Buddha was not so interested in the personal pattern, by the way. It was not the, objection, the object of his teachings. His teachings were, I want to look at what are the universal truths and that those universal truths, when we see them properly, that they have the nature to know and to free. So he simply, uh, in the Satipatthana, he started out by saying, oh, the five hindrances. Can you be mindful of when there's wanting in your mind and heart uh, and desire? Can you uh, know uh, when there's, uh, uh, no, I want to move away from this. I'm not going to allow it, you know, uh, I don't like it. I'm going to, uh, you know, you either attack it or run. And there is the, in a sense, aversion or ill will to experience that arises. I, I kind of love the word sloth and torpor, you know? And that somehow, because so much of this is based on you know, in doing this, uh, is finding the balance and the balance between staying and being, which is really the effort here is based on just staying. You know.
it's also true that, uh, you know, I think there's a question about worry, you know, and that worry and restlessness, you know, uh, restlessness, uh, they say, comes from the past. You know, it is, uh, and we don't, we can't do much about it, you know. We kind of sit and, and the practice is, oh, can I feel my way through it? Uh, uncomfortable. And worry, you know, um, how much, you know, it's what, about the future. And that somehow uh, we start uh, running a series of words over and over in our mind. No. That actually doesn't allow us to feel what it is. And usually we're kind of afraid. Oh, afraid tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. No. How is that going to turn out? And so in essence, so here's another place we can kind of be mindful. You know, of that that's propelling us. And the most difficult, you know, is that of doubt, of these hindrances, you know. And um, again, they also have the tendency to not allow us to be here, you know. And a lot of times the doubt, which comes sometimes from fear or self-judgment, of somehow... uh, this is not enough. I'm not enough. You know, this is too hard. I can't do this. You know, this is not the place for me. I should have gone to the spa. You know, I blew it. You know, and it's insidious. It's really a, a big thing. And they say, you know, it's very helpful to. Sometimes, uh, you know, asking questions, you know, of teachers or uh, some way that um, we can, in a sense, uh, release uh, the contraction or the frozenness around it. You know, because uh, you can't actually have feel the nature of, oh, can I just let this be and can I drop under? Uh, all of my stuff. And it comes and it goes. And these are kind of the hindrances which I wanted to just point at. There's also, just to complete this, because there's also uh, what is known uh, as the aggregates. You know, and the aggregates are really, you know, it's interesting because it's what the Buddha uh, kind of named as, as human being. You know, and there is the physical form. There is feeling. There is perception. There is mental formation. And there is consciousness. That's what he named those five things. He never said there was an I or a me or mine in that. They are simply the building blocks or the components. And that somehow we can allow our understanding that this is just a process of these components and they arise due to causes and conditions and you will die and they will also go away. That's the story. The five aggregates. You know? Kind of naked. And so another of this, of the dharmas, you know, uh, is what is known as the six senses. You know, and he said, oh, uh, this is a place to be mindful, to actually uh, know seeing, to know smelling, to know tasting, to know hearing, to know body sensation, to know thought. These six senses, you know, in Buddhist psychology, it's always that the mind is the sixth sense, you know. But it's not considered anything different. It's not special in some ways. It's also looked at, all these are simple processes, you know. And that we can, uh, you know, it's true that uh, the thought in some ways is the precursor uh, to the saying things and actions and habits 
and destinies. And then uh, there's a lovely one that's named. And again, these are universal processes. And I'm just trying to give you a map of kind of, okay, these are a lot of pieces. I know you're not going to get them all. It took me forever. I still don't get them all, you know, on occasions. Uh, is uh, what is known as the seven factors of awakening. Or also in the more vernacular, that's the simple form of they're actually 37. But, you know, okay, I can name the seven, you know, that there's investigation, uh, there is, um, and now I'm trying to remember, <laughs> uh, wow, um, uh, <laughs> there is energy, um, there is joy. Uh, there is tranquility or calm, uh, there is concentration, and there is equanimity, and it's all held by mindfulness. Those are the seven factors of awakening. And you will always, we are always working on those here. You know, and it's a process of finding the balance of those factors. You know, and sometimes too much investigation, what's going to happen? You're going to get anxious. You know, it has to be balanced by tranquility and concentration. You know, and energy. We have to have the right energy to do this. A balanced energy. And that also one of the things I think sometimes we don't uh, emphasize enough is joy. You know? It is part and parcel of this path of awakening. So, look at that one. It's kind of cool. You know? And then uh, the last one there mentioned, and it is uh, what Mary was talking about last night, which is the four, and I like th this thing, instead of saying the four noble truths, the four ennobling, the four ennobling truths, you know. And one of the wonders to me in this is that uh, that third noble truth, you know, that... Uh, Something beyond our ability uh, in our relative world uh, to recognize. He simply called it nibbana, you know, uh, sometimes referred to as emptiness or um, not this, not that. You know. And it exists, and I believe uh, in my own experience and how this works is that you're, you're there a lot, by the way. How's that sound? You know, and what Buddha Dasa called the kind of the relative nirvana. And it is moments where uh, the hindrances, uh, that all of the problematic things don't arise. There's just simply uh, moments where nothing is happening. But the problem is that why we come to these retreats is because we have to learn about what it's like when nothing's happening and how that actually brings peace and ease to us. And we struggle so much with the likes and dislikes, and we're always, uh, we're always battling with them, you know? You know, if I just get it right. But this is saying that, you know, in moments where I'm just with my breath, and there's a sense of non-separateness, and the world is in harmony, Things are in order at that moment. And yet, because of our habits, we do not recognize it. You know, we have to fill it in with a fantasy or a story or some, anything because there's a charge on all of our stories. And what we're talking about here is something that does not, you know, it does not have a charge. It's not something. It's actually not something. It's not anything. And yet, it's indicative of a recognition. And that recognition is, I am ultimately peace. You know, 
I am ultimately in my own being free when I'm not making up more stuff. And you all are that. And so, in some ways, it's not somewhere else. It's actually right here. Symptoms of inner peace. A tendency to think and act spontaneously rather than based on past experience. An unmistakable ability to enjoy each moment. A loss of interest in judging other people. A loss of interest in judging ourselves. A loss of interest in interpretations of the actions of others. A loss of interest in conflict. A loss of ability to worry. Frequent, overwhelming episodes of appreciation. (laughs) Contented feelings of connectedness with others and nature. Frequent bouts of smiling. An increased tendency to let things happen rather than make them happen. And an increased receptivity to the love extended by others as well as the uncontrollable urge to extend it. Not bad, huh? Is that a promise? Yeah. You know. Guaranteed. This is a direct path to realization. And it has been walked and walked and walked, and for sure, it works. And you are the recipient of thousands of years of confirmation. You know, is that lovely? You know? And so there's a way, oh, this is true. This, I am, uh, you know, in a sense, a son or a daughter uh, of this lineage of Dharma that will bring me to full realization. You know, now, what kind of promise are you going to get? Now, that is great. You know. So, I'll... I hope that was clear. You know, a lot of stuff I know, but uh, you'll you'll. This is for the rest of your life. Believe me. Been almost fifty years doing this, and I'm still learning. It's great. You know. So, clear path. Knowing this is a desperate journey untangling our projections and stories, sitting on the edge of our history, knowing that refusing entry would only pull us farther and farther out to sea, resolving not to leave this fire for another day, but to sit in the center, attending to the breath after breath, with this simple refrain, with this simple refrain, I am here. I am here. Aware, deep down knowing breath could be shallow or deep, sometimes long or short, always attempting to catch it. 
releasing, softening, breathing, supported by this eternal presence, supported by this eternal presence. Life breathing itself. How great to know it has worked for eons. Slowly dissolving this old darkness. Tentacles from the past dissolving. The power of the breath releasing multiple contractions. Giving way to the certainty. This breath This breath is enough. Awakening assured by our lineage. Awakening assured by our lineage. So clearly spelled out. So let's just sit for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.